0: Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Michael. I'm Ellis. And today we're going to be looking at common misconceptions that people have about Christianity. And I think this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a little different, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be cool. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: Welcome to the After Chat. Real questions. Real talk. real life
0: all right so what would you sing at a karaoke night well
1: i have sung at a karaoke night okay uh bye 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 (laughs) bye Dead serious. So probably anything in sync, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, that's kind of my.
0: I don't know. that pull something out of me. I don't know why. You know, in sync does that. Yeah. Like you know, I remember I was in high school and all those boy bands came out, and none of them like amongst the guys were like everybody just roasted them and thought they were silly. <laughs> but for whatever reason, in sync was the one that like everybody was like, you know what? They're not bad. Yeah. But did you do the? Oh yeah. The whole thing. I did the whole thing.
1: I did the whole thing. I was like, look, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to
0: commit. Okay? Yeah. So,
1: yeah. How about you?
0: Uh, I would probably, I've not done a karaoke night, but I would probably do, see, I would want a throwback, like Duran Duran, Hungry Like the Wolf, Mm -hmm. like something where you can really like put your (laughs) vocals into and wail. It would sound terrible. But I think if if, like you, like if I'm going to do it. Yeah. Just commit and go all the way.
1: Well, and it's sounding terrible as part of the fun. Like, yeah. when somebody can actually sing and gets up at a karaoke night, I'm like, come, like you're ruining it for the rest of us. Like, like come on, so, bro.
0: Or, or something like aha's take on me that has like one of those crazy high notes (laughs) (laughs) and just ruin it. But it was interesting. I saw a thing. I saw a thing uh, on, on YouTube or Facebook or somewhere where the singer songwriter Jewel, Mm -hmm. um, she went and did her own, like put on a costume and went to a karaoke night and did her own songs. And people like, was just, you ruined it. Like you trashed it. Like you didn't get it. Like you were way off the mark, like roasting her. Yeah. Like, to her face on how she did her own songs. And it was just like, wow, what a tough crowd. (laughs) Like, because some some of them get really committed to it. Um, But, yeah, so what would be – I like this one. What would be the worst thing to put into a piñata?
1: I have three answers that come off the top of my head pretty quick. And I'll rank them in order of uh, severity of the offense. Okay. One, those oatmeal sandwich cookies. They
0: would just be mush in there.
1: Those are those are gross. <laughs> they are nasty. And also, people used to give those away for Halloween, and that is egregious. Like, what is that? That is and, an outrage. So, that's number one. <laughs> okay. Number two, Mallow Cups. Have you had a Mallow Cup before? No, but
0: I've seen them. but And I know what they are. I've just, they're not my jam.
1: If you don't know, it's like a Reese's Cup, but with marshmallow filling on the inside. It tastes like toothpaste, and it is the worst (laughs) version of a Reese's cup that exists. It's freaking terrible. So that's number two.
0: Do you just not like marshmallow fluff, or is it just that particular thing?
1: It's just that. That's not marshmallow. I don't know what that is. No, it's not. That's not marshmallow of any kind. (laughs) So that's number two. Number three, severity of offense.
0: needles. Imagine hitting a (laughs) piñata and needles go everywhere. That would be terrifying. that would be bad. Thumbtacks, pin, you know, all of those things, no good. Yeah. So I I've actually seen like a group of children disappointed over like the feelings of a pinata once. <laughs> so it was at it was at a dentist's house. Okay. Oh gosh. <laughs> it was little travel. Teeth come out? No. It was it was there was no candy. Like so they they hit it, they, it busted. Little, little Travel-sized toothpaste and floss and little mini toothbrushes. <laughs> <Bruh. Come laughs> like, on. Everybody was so excited. It bust open. All the children ran and just, like, confusion was, like, the first expression that, that crossed their faces. <laughs> and then just sadness. Like, it was like, like, what is this? and then and then like why you don't <laughs> like,
1: have to push your dental hygiene agenda on children it was, like that that's it cruel and unusual it what?
0: was it was hilarious Come on. like to see this play out like but it was it was funny so i think those just because i've seen them like are the worst things that you can put into pretty good. A, put into a piñata <laughs> but i want to go back to the marshmallow fluff okay so have you ever had a fluffer nutter
1: I have not. What is that?
0: So it's where you take take white bread, Uh all right? And then you put like that marshmallow fluff on one side Uh and then peanut butter on another piece of bread and put them together for a sandwich. I'm intrigued. That's fantastic. That sounds good. Like that's, if you've not had, if you've had one of those, like put it in the Facebook group because those things are fantastic. Nice. So I might, I might be making one on Saturday. So (laughs) there we go. All right. Fictional. What fictional character do you most identify with? I
1: think, I think I'm going to go with Batman. And I've always liked Batman. I was, mm-hmm. always liked Batman as a kid because he didn't have superpowers. Mm-hmm. He just had a bunch of money, which I really can't identify with. But, um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I. <laughs> so, what part of Bruce Wayne and Batman do you like? Do you look at and be like? I've seen myself like that. <laughs> I,
1: I think what I always liked about him was that he like just had the determination to yeah. get done when he needed to get done. And also that, I mean, depending on what version of Batman we're talking mm-hmm. about, always had kind of like that moral compass yeah. of like, yes, I want to get this done, but not compromise who I am as a person to yes. do so.
0: I think that's why I've always kind of liked uh, Captain America. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, he's got the super soldier serum and all of that stuff, but he he's not willing to bend on like what he believes. Yeah. But as I get as I get older and I've got I've got teenagers now, I'm really seeing my I'm really identifying with Hank Hill from King of the Hill. <laughs> like where he just you know, like every other every few episodes he just looks at his children and just makes that oh. <laughs> Like, or, the boy ain't right, and it's already 9 a.m. Like, that kind of thing. I really do that a lot. Yeah. And so, he's just doing his best. (laughs) Like, I just kind of see myself in that vein, at least in this season of life.
1: So my wife's brother his name is Connor we make fun of him all the time cuz he sounds just like boomhauer
0: can't understand a word my dude says he has never
1: enunciated in his life just just a string of syllables
0: yeah. <laughs> and, well i love i love that because like when boomhauer goes off for like 90 seconds and and you're just like what in the world like they respond like they yeah. totally get it no
1: the, like youtube cut-ups of Boomhauer are hysterical <laughs> they're so good it is that's if you need a laugh that that's, is it yeah yeah
0: what was yours since this is what we're going to be talking about today mm-hmm. what was your biggest misconception about christianity before you came to faith um probably that you had to have all your stuff
1: together before you came to church. Mm-hmm. And I like, without giving anything away, we're going to talk about that in more detail later. Yeah. So I won't dive, but so deep into it now, but it was definitely that, like, I think had I not had that misconception, I would have come a lot earlier, but yeah. I felt like I had to work some things out first, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyways, I'll, I'll leave it there.
0: That was, that was definitely one, uh, for me. um, but I think just from like a theological thing, I, I thought we all, I thought we turned into angels when we died, Mm, Wow! (laughs) which once you get into it, like that's not true. Mm -hmm. Like they're their own separate thing. Um, that, but that's what I thought happened. Mm -hmm. And just because that's, In every now I'm basing this on cartoons that I watched as children, like whenever uh, they actually depicted like the coyote dying or Mm -hmm. goofy dying, like they would sprout wings and a halo and a harp and just kind of float to heaven. Right. So I carried that for for far too long. Um, So that was one. But what was uh, what was there anything that surprised you about Christianity after you became a Christian?
1: It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, not just a mm-hmm. lot of fun, but not devoid of fun either. Yeah. It, it's a lot of fun, and it's it's very life giving.
0: I think I think for me, the thing that really surprised me the most, and I and I get that I was very fortunate in that I landed in a and a small group of people, mm-hmm. you know, like, a, like a weekly Bible study, but around at our church, we call them small groups or yep. groups. But I I was very fortunate to land in one where it was a bunch of people that were just really real about their flaws and things that they were going through, but determined to figure out how to, how to stay on the path and, and follow Jesus despite what was going on. Mm-hmm. So I I got the I got to be the recipient of a group of people that were just like hey. We're all jacked up. We've all got flaws. We're all broken. But let's just see what we can't do here together. Yeah. And so that was one of the things that surprised me, mm-hmm. uh, the most
1: yeah. there. I think another one for me is just how much people care. Like mm-hmm. I remember like the first couple weeks coming to church. Like I didn't I I didn't know it, many people, and so I wasn't going to go out on a limb anyway. But like. People asked genuine questions about my life yeah. and wanted to know how I was doing and things like that. And I wasn't. I, it it sounds funny looking back on it, but I really wasn't used to that. It kind of yeah. knocked me off guard. So
0: no, that that really got me too, mm-hmm. especially because I I didn't know anybody here. Like I came, I think I've mentioned this here before. Like I came, I sat in the back mm-hmm. right next to the door in case I needed to dip. Yep. Um, but like once I got once I got took a a step here and a step there and, and, you know, made myself uh, more vulnerable and just talking with people like the ones that I got very fortunate to be around, like legitimately cared, which not used to that. Yeah. So, so this episode is going to be a little bit different because we're going to be taking questions that people asked uh, or uh, look at some common misconceptions that people had that they voiced in the Facebook group, which Mm -hmm. if you're not in there, Dude, get in. Like, what are they waiting yeah, for? Yeah, come on down. There's like, plenty of room. We got 92 people in there. still plenty of space. Yeah. I um, think it might be unlimited. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't actually know. Is there a limit? Sarah? There's not? Okay. There we go. So, um, but we're going to look at some of those. And we're gonna, the format of this is going to be a little bit different, too. Right. Because we're going
2: to take a look at our clip now. Our lives, of course, are full of questions. The lighthearted ones, the difficult ones, and everything in between. And because we live in a time and in a culture that places a lot of value on knowing the answers to our questions, it can be really frustrating when we feel like there aren't any answers. We want everything to have a nice airtight solution to it, but when something feels like it doesn't, we can get all out of sorts, right? I mean, consider every question I just asked you, even the, even the light ones, like there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer to any of them. The solution to where's Waldo well, just depends on what page you're on. Uh, I heard somebody say both to the armrest question at the movie theater. I tend to agree, but the person next to you does not. Okay? I like to believe through God's goodness that I actually do know the answer to what is the meaning of life, but not everybody agrees with me. I also believe that your purpose or reason, reason for living, it's multi-layered and it all comes back to Jesus. But again, if you ask maybe some of your coworkers or people you see on a regular basis, they, they might not say the same thing. Now we could come up with answers to every one of our questions, but they might not make us feel like warm and fuzzy on the inside or be satisfying to hear. So the question then becomes, what are we supposed to do with these? Specifically, questions about God and faith. One option that some people take is just to ignore them altogether, right? If there's a chance we may not be satisfied with our answers, is it really worth asking? Another approach, a second option, would be to use the perceived lack of answers as a sort of ammunition. Maybe you've encountered this before. Somebody might say, see, I knew God couldn't be real. I knew it was all made up, because if you can't answer that, then it's all gotta be a sham, Or a third option, equally as destructive, you could make up your own answers that aren't at all right, but they do give you some sort of satisfaction, but you're not actually considering the damage you might be doing to yourself or other people. Instead of those three options, let me propose a fourth one. Let's ask our hard questions about God. Because first of all, he can take it, he can handle it. But then let's earnestly seek out the answers even when we feel like there might not be any good ones. Because in my experience, it's almost always the search for the answers to my hard questions that actually help me grow and understand the most, not the actual answer I might find.
0: All right. I think that's, that's kind of what's going to lead us into this. We've got a lot of questions, um, misconceptions, just things that people either, you know, brought in from, nonsense places like I did with thinking that we turned into angels whenever we died, (laughs) just dragging stuff from cartoons Mm -hmm. (laughs) as children. And so we're just going to go back and forth. We've just compiled a list here, and we're just going to go back and forth on these and talk about them and hit us with one of the big dogs up front.
1: Yep, we're going to start right out of the gate. What did Jesus actually look like?
0: I mean Obi Wan Kenobi. You and you and McGregor <laughs> as Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay. I know that that's a popular depiction. Case closed. What's the next one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love that meme. Yeah. I think it's absolutely hilarious, and I don't. I don't know how real it is. I doubt somebody because almost all of them have some version of my grandma just put this picture of Jesus up on the fireplace today, <laughs> and it's. It's always Obi Wan <laughs> in his Jedi robes. I don't maybe it did happen. I don't know. But maybe. I I don't think that Jesus might be going out on a limb, but I don't think Jesus looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't think so. All right. I don't think so.
1: That being said, there's a Huge variety of depictions of Jesus uh, yes. in, you know, you think of in churches, your pictures or your stained glass windows mm-hmm. uh, in TV movies or like documentaries like, you know, The Chosen is a really popular show right now. Mm-hmm. To some people, that's exactly what Jesus looked like. There's like a um, there's a documentary on the History Channel that's like, I think it's just called the Bible, essentially like yes. live action depictions of the events of the Bible. And, you know, we could go on down the list and uh just kind of the idea of Jesus as a cultural symbol. It's mm-hmm. like what do people visualize when they think of Jesus or what do they what image do they create mm-hmm. to represent to whatever group they're a part of this is what Jesus looks like. Yeah. So, because of that, because people kind of shape what what he looks like depending on where they're at, often his race changes yes. depending on where you go or what kind of environment you're walking into and there's been debate over his race dating back to, like, the 1800s. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those depictions have changed throughout history, depending on the different groups. Like, during World War II, there were lots of theories and depictions of Jesus as a member of the Aryan race. So, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed
0: Jesus. I don't think that was what Jesus looked like. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Or... I don't think the line of David... um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, extended... Into where into Germany or anywhere in the Nordic uh, Nordic areas. Yeah, right. Uh, or in a similar vein, during the
1: civil rights movement, there were a lot of depictions of an African American Jesus. Mm-hmm. Which, okay. <laughs> so, so all of this to say, what did he actually look like? To the to the the best we can put together, to the mm-hmm. best of our ability, what did he actually look like? It's widely accepted by researchers that Jesus was a Judean from Galilee, so yes. modern-day Palestine. Research on ancient skeletons in Palestine suggests that Judeans of the time were biologically closer to Iraqi Jews than any other contemporary people. Yes. So, the average Judean of the Judean of the time would have looked like this. Dark brown or black hair, olive skin, which is ranging from 3 to 5 on the Fitzpatrick scale of human skin color, which I had no idea was a thing until I started getting ready for this.
0: There's the Fitzpat the Fitzpatrick skin
1: the Fitzpatrick scale of human skin color. Okay. You can Google this thing or maybe we'll put it right here. I don't know. <laughs> I I was like, how have I never heard of this? Uh, yeah,
0: like I the things we learn when we start researching for these things. I
1: think it's that's
0: yep that would do it
1: (laughs) you heard of this thing you know about it
2: i know my skin tone color okay oh okay
1: well the ones i found on google were like eight i think it's eight smiley faces (laughs) different shade (laughs) shaded smiley faces i'm dead serious i could not believe this i was
0: like eight smiley faces how have i never heard of this i like to think maybe i'm a I mean, I've not looked at this thing. Am I, am I like a three on the smiley face Fitzpatrick scale? Somewhere um, in there? I've, I two? think it would be a little okay. further down. All right. Right. Just... I've, I've not looked at the scale. I've not looked at the scale. <laughs> I don't know which direction we're going. So I figured the middle would be a good place to start. Um, yeah. D- look, go look at the scale.
1: I guess that's all. I, that's the best I can do for you. Um, so dark brown or black hair, mm-hmm. olive skin, three to five on the Fitzpatrick scale, Okay, and an average height. Of five five, okay. Which I don't know about you. I never imagined Jesus being five five. I I don't consider myself to be very tall, but mm-hmm. that's
0: three inches shorter than me. Okay. So, so yeah, not that, a big man. But I think that that that's kind of goes like just I know one of our previous episodes where we talked about how God always takes or has a. Pattern of, of choosing like the least likely candidates. It's true. So I imagine Jesus would have been a very unassuming person. Like, if you just was in a crowd, like in a packed room, mm-hmm. like he probably wouldn't be the one that that would stand out yeah. the most. And you can go
1: down the list like talking about all of the different depictions you'll see. Like, sometimes he's got a beard, sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes it's like a super legit beard, sometimes it's not. Sometimes he's super jacked, other times he's. <laughs> He's thin, you know.
0: With, there's uh, there's a T-shirt that depicts a jacked Jesus, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like I think Tanner wore that. He's yeah. one of our one of our teaching pastors. Yeah, um, but yes, I think I think I've seen him ro- rolling around in one of those.
1: Yeah, like uh, the the documentary on the History Channel that I was talking about a little bit ago. That uh, that's not a depiction of Jesus that I um, that I necessarily agree with because it's like he's super jacked. He has this magnificent beard, and it's like every time he walks on the screen, there's like just backlight permanently everywhere he goes.
0: I'm like, I oh, don't. This this feels like a bit much. And I like how I mean, and in the Bible, what what could possibly what good could possibly come out of Galilee? Right. Well, Jesus did. Right. So I mean, yeah. there the the place had a reputation yeah. for for not good things. Right. So yeah, and so to your point, to kind of follow the pattern up until
1: then, I think unlikely and unassuming would have been what you could expect
0: yeah so yeah but boil it down he wasn't white correct he was he was exactly what we described but I, I think I think one of the reasons that people like do that is because they want to make Jesus more relatable mm-hmm. to them they want to be able to to make it make Jesus someone that they can really relate to and talk with and yeah. be with and so I don't think he would I mean, I don't think Jesus would mind that that people do that, but I think whenever they say no, your Jesus is wrong, and start declaring no, Jesus was a white man. No, mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't a white man. Jesus probably didn't look like somebody from Southeast Asia either, yeah. or or anywhere in between.
1: Well, I'd like hate to break it to you, if you, like basically no one in the Bible that we read about was just straight white.
0: Yeah, it's, I'm just gonna, I'm I mean, just gonna do it. it is, We're doing misconceptions, and that and that is what. <laughs> Sorry. So, <laughs> I mean, he was a first century Palestinian Jew. Mm-hmm. He probably looked not like anything that we would expect or right. identify with. Yeah. So that's that. Think about how much
1: time, like, they spent in the sun. Like, the, I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, real, like, that's that's almost all the evidence you need. Yes. So. That's it. They walked everywhere. They were in the sun. It was hot. Like, anyways, all right
0: they got to have a little something or they're going to get roasted exactly so yeah that's what it is there it is next one yeah god doesn't answer my prayers or or god, why doesn't god or why didn't god answer my prayer mm-hmm. for me i usually whenever somebody comes to me and this asks like you know say something bad happened they prayed to god for it not to happen you know it that's usually when this comes up and they can either say okay well god doesn't exist god isn't real or or something to that effect You know, and, and that's, that sucks. I mean, whenever, I mean, we all go through, we all go through bad things. We all have times where we, where we pray for something and the marriage still fails or the loved one still dies or you desperately needed uh, the money and it just didn't come. And it's okay to express uh, those feelings of abandonment, Mm -hmm. you know, and, but at some point for followers of Jesus, like we have to decide that we're not going to base our, our faith on our circumstances because we've all been through things. Um, you know, and I've just resolved not to let my emotions uh, during a personal crisis dictate what I know to be true about God. Mm-hmm. And I know that, that we can be confident that God is, and we read it in Romans 8:28. I got it here. Like we are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love Him and accept His invitation to live according to His plan. Um, that's the voice translation there, and you know whatever those bad things are, you know God doesn't cause those bad things. Those bad things, but the world is broken and we broke it. Yeah, and so God does answer prayers, and God can take those those times where we're going through personal crisis and make something good come from it. But we, for me, like, I've just resolved that I'm not going to let my emotions dictate those things.
1: Yeah. So we did an episode on prayer previously. It's uh, season two, episode four. And one of the things Mm -hmm. you said in in that episode was that we don't pray to get the things we want. We pray to move closer to God. Yes. And if we approach it with that mentality, then it takes away any dependence on the outcome. Yes. So... Yeah, I think and, it,
0: and it's not and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with like jesus felt abandoned like oh, my, yeah. my god my god why did you for why have you forsaken me mm-hmm. like we feel those things because the there are bad things that are going to happen in this world and there's going to be times where we are hurt but we don't have to let the the emotions and the things that we're feeling in those times dictate our faith right. like our faith should inform our circumstances and not the other way around yeah agree that's uh, that was one for me yeah
1: All right, so the next one is Christianity means giving up all fun and living a life of rules. Um, So we probably all know about the Ten Commandments, but you might not know that there are 613 commandments given by God through Moses. And I know for me, when I encountered a lot of these was the first time I read the Bible and just started from the beginning. So And, like, you read those first couple of books and you'll run into them, like, Rules for constructing the tabernacle, uh, starting kind of in the later part of Exodus, and then, you know, you get to Leviticus, and yeah, Leviticus. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's it's not just biblical rules. It's also kind of modern-day societal rules you feel like you have to follow as a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can't consume certain kinds of content, like certain kinds of music you can't listen to certain movies and TV shows you can't watch, Mm. or you can't go certain places and do certain things. So one example of this I think is always funny is uh, here in Powhatan, where our church is based, uh, there's something called the Festival of the Great every year. And, (laughs) you know, uh, a lot of people who attend our church go, but they're kind of scared to see, like, other people from church there. Because they're like, oh, what are they going to think? So there's, like, this kind of perception that, oh, I can't go to a festival that is intended for wine tasting and mm-hmm. things like that. Well, f- I mean, first of all, like, Jesus went to a wedding and turned all the water into wine. <laughs> like, yes. So, that, and I think, you know, there are, there's levels to this, for lack of a better term. There are things you probably should stay just stay away from. If mm-hmm. you're trying to follow where God's leading you, if you're trying to uh, follow his calling – on your life or
0: there and are things and if you feel personally convicted on something mm-hmm. then I think you should follow that yeah. but that doesn't mean that you can impose your conviction on on others I think there's a fine line in there and if there's a temptation that you happen to be susceptible to mm-hmm. then you probably shouldn't go to the go to places where you might be tempted more than others yeah
1: yeah and I think you know there are there are things in that vein you probably should just stay away from completely. There are other things where, like, you can go, but you shouldn't go crazy. Yeah. Like, there's a there's a line there. Um, so, I, what I find with this one is, in most cases, it's less about the things you feel like you are or aren't allowed to do and more about the posture of your heart yes. when you approach them. If you, if you approach them and always put in front of you that you're going to honor God and that relationship you have with him, then... I think you'll be okay. Yeah. And just to kind of tackle the idea of rules and the sheer number of rules, I mean, Jesus said it in Matthew 22, uh, this is verses 36, starting in verse 36. Um, One of the Pharisees asked him, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all Mm -hmm. your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments.
0: And I think if you do those, you'll probably get it right more often than not. Yep. Uh, The next one. All Christians are hypocrites.
1: Woo. (laughs) I'm getting in the thick of it now.
0: So, yeah, some are. Like, it's... There are hypocrites in the church. 100%. Like it would be, it would, if, if one of us tried to sit here and say, no, there's no hypocrites at our church. False. Yeah. I mean, it's false, (laughs) you know, because we're made up of people and they're, and they were in the very early church and Jesus told us not to be like that. And so Matthew six, one through five, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues And on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, he's not saying that everything you do have to be in secret. It has to be done necessarily like in secret. Like I'm I'm free to pray at a restaurant because I do, Mm -hmm. like I do it. But I don't do it to be seen by others. I do it to show respect to God and to give thanks for what I'm for what I'm about to do. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And there's not anything Mm wrong with giving to the needy or giving something to somebody, an act of charity in the street or whatever, like just because somebody happens to see you, it's where is your heart at? Are you doing it to be seen? Because that's what he's getting at here. Like they were praying in the streets and wailing in the streets and giving to the needy to great fanfare because they wanted that recognition. Like, oh, look at me and how righteous I am. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's uh, something that Jesus warned us against. But Paul even called out Peter's hypocrisy and how he interacted with Gentiles when um, he came to Antioch, uh-huh. Galatians 2, 11 through 14. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong when he first, like, I love it. When we did our smack talk episode, <laughs> my, <laughs> you gonna spit? Nope, I got it. I got it down. We're good. (laughs) Our first fit take on the after chat, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy now there's a whole backstory to this where people where the early followers of jesus after he ascended were split on whether or not you had become a jew first and then follow jesus or just anybody could follow jesus and that's that's kind of what he was uh they're getting at there but what paul was saying was like dude you're acting one way like you're being these guys pals whenever your boys ain't here but then whenever your friends show up like you're just going to disrespect them and and be a jerk Mm -hmm. and so he's like dude you're being a hypocrite there. like your actions aren't matching what you're actually saying and so you know if peter like the rock you know behaved hypocritical at least here then we i don't know how we expect ordinary folks to get it right. Like a hundred percent of the time for sure. Like now you can repent and course correct when it gets brought to you. Mm-hmm. Like, and Peter ends up doing that. Um, but I mean, you nobody's ever going to get it right a hundred percent of the time. Like, yes. Are, do, are some people here just to be seen? Like are some people in the churches just to be seen and, and to be thought higher than they actually are? Yeah. Like that happens. like, yeah, but there's also people that are legitimately trying to live a Christian lifestyle that just happened to get it wrong. Yeah. So I think you need to, like if you expect to walk into a church and it just to be filled with saints. Nope. I mean, you, you, you've (laughs) given yourself an unreasonable expectation and you're going to get let down. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I think what comes with, uh, people feeling like, well, because I do this and this and this, I'm better than this person. Yeah. I mean, implied in that is like, This person is beneath me. And so I think, you know, where we get into where we get into a sticky situation is any time that we judge somebody else's relationship with God and where and what's standing there in with God. Now, there's a difference between being hypocritical and kind of going to somebody that you have a relationship established with and saying, hey, I don't see you being honoring to God in this way. Kind of like you just... Like, that's what Paul, well, yeah, did, yeah.
0: Uh, Paul did to Peter.
1: Exactly, yeah. So, I think but there's a difference between those, and I think the difference is you build a relationship first. Yes. And you have the permission and the common ground with that person to have that conversation. Yes. So.
0: No, I yeah, I, that nails it.
1: So, next is, <laughs> um, once you become a Christian, everything gets better and nothing bad will happen. That's a good one. I so. can tell
0: you that that... <laughs> That real thing. I, I thought it a little bit too. Whenever mm-hmm. I, I was like, "It's going to be smooth sailing oh, yeah. from here on out. No more problems."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely had the perception from the outside looking in that everyone who went to church or followed Jesus essentially was immune to anything difficult, mm-hmm. or at, at at the very least, when they went through something difficult, it didn't affect them as much as my difficulties affected me. Yeah. Um. So. I learned as I started my own journey following Jesus that it did not exempt me from, from the hard times. And it wasn't all, you know, sunshine and roses. And bad things did continue to happen. But my relationship with Jesus gave me hope as I walked through them. Yes. And I think that's an important distinction. And a couple of scriptures that illustrate that Jeremiah 29 11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And then. From Psalm 62, uh, starting in verse 5, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. Mm-hmm. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken.
0: So, Now, I think it honestly... I think we have hope on the other side whenever we go through something. Like, that is true. Like, mm-hmm. I've experienced that myself. But I think in some in some ways, because before... You would just kind of get, go into whatever your natural instinct was. Like that's how I'm going to respond. Right. That's what I just did. Like you let it go. But here, like once you begin following Jesus, then there can sometimes be a tug of war inside you because now you're you're trying to resist those those the that that just gut instinct you're, or what we call like the war with the flesh. Mm-hmm. Like you'll hear that term in in some churches where that's what they're actually talking about, like your your natural instincts versus what the Holy Spirit and God would have you do. Right. So I think whenever you start getting into that back and forth, that's where it can sometimes cause more turmoil in you mm-hmm. than if just, well, this happened, I'm going to respond with X, and then that's just it.
1: Yeah, I was listening to a uh, sermon recently. I can't find the exact verse right now, but they were quoting the verse in Ephesians that talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new. Yes. And the pastor was saying, I find it interesting that uh Christ in you is not your default setting.
0: Mm-hmm. Your
1: your earthly nature is your default yes. setting, and you have to make the conscious decision to put that off mm-hmm. and put on the new self, and it's not a one-time deal. No. It's a thing you have to do every day. It's yes. not more.
0: So. No, most definitely. Yeah. And uh, another one that pastors are closer to god than regular people. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. like there's it's it's called the priesthood of all believers. Mm-hmm. Like that's the doctrine that that we it's one of our core beliefs here at Passion Community Church. It means that we all have the same access to god um, through Jesus. That's true for me, that's true for you, that's true for everybody watching. Um I don't get like a special god beeper like that goes <laughs> off with a message like one that he's got just for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like So, like, I have the same access to God as you do. That's just true for everybody. Now, the Old Testament sacrificial system, there was, like, there was a human mediator that was needed uh, to atone for the sins. They would go, and it's, I mean, it's in Leviticus, like, if if you, it it was also kind of means tested, depending upon where, where you are, where you were on the economic scale, like, maybe, like, I would have to bring a pigeon because that's all I could go out and scavenge and get. Like, maybe you got to bring a goat. Um, and, I mean, that's just kind of how that's just kind of how it worked. With Jesus and the new covenant in Hebrews 4, uh, 14 through 16, like, Jesus did away with all that. He made the one and only sacrifice. And the, the writer of Hebrews uh, wrote this in four, uh, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a, a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is uh, uh, who is uh, unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. We saw Jesus tempted in, in the wilderness, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can approach Jesus directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have to have no intermediary there, no earthly medi- uh, intermediary. We have direct access with God through him. And pastors are called, like the role of the pastor is to train and equip the saints for the role of ministry. And, he, and Paul writes in Ephesians 4, the role of the pastor is to equip his people, to train and equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ the role of the pastor is to help you realize and to help you develop the unique spiritual gifts that the holy spirit's dispersed among all people regardless of gender or background like we all have gifts and the role of the pastor is to help people learn about god and to help them develop their gifts like there's that's my role like that's my that's my day to day yeah um, but it doesn't give me access. It's just me using the gifts that God gave me mm-hmm. to help others develop their gifts.
1: Yeah, I think I definitely had this misconception. Like I, <clears throat> once I started coming to church, I knew what the priesthood of believers was, but mm-hmm. I but I was still kind of like, yeah, cool. But Pastor Brian definitely hears from God more often than I do, <laughs> like, <laughs> like 100%. Um, so that's, and then stepping into like a, a role as a pastor, like, that's where you can kind of see the distinction between the two, you know? So,
0: yeah. No, so that's where, that's how I respond whenever I get that.
1: Yeah. So the next one is Christians always feel close to God, which is false. I'm here to debunk that one. (laughs) Um, There are, I mean, before we even get to us in our daily lives, there are stories in the Bible, throughout the Bible, where people are walking through trials and openly voicing their wonder of where God is mm-hmm. in it. I mean, if you read the Psalms, that's, I mean, every other one, that's that's, that's yeah. what David's doing. Uh, you know, um, there's like the story of Abraham. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's waiting to have, be able to have a child. And he, I don't know that he explicitly says like, I feel far from God, but number one, you can tell by his actions, yes. <laughs> uh, the whole, the whole Hagar thing, Like, that was him trying to take things into his own hands. And then, also, like, I think this is where the Bible really lets us uh, put ourselves in the shoes of these people and say, well, even if they haven't explicitly said it, how could you not feel far from God in a Mm -hmm. situation like that? And that's just one example. But I think those things are true for us today, too. I mean, you know, we have—kind of of ties into what we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, We— we don't pray because we expect God to immediately deliver something or intervene. And so yes. there are times where we pray, and we feel like there's not a response. And it's really easy to feel far from God when a scenario like that happens. No, so, I mean,
0: because sometimes the answer is some, I mean, just full, just being real, like sometimes the answer is no, mm-hmm. sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is yes, but later. Yeah. Like, some. I mean, that's just that's just the way... Um, that it kind of plays out. And I mean, I think if Jesus can feel abandoned and alone, yeah, then I don't know how we would expect it to go. There not to be times where we feel the exact same way. Mm-hmm.
1: I think sometimes the answer is yes, but not in the way you want it to be. Yes. In and the that, way I'm going to say yes. yes. Yeah, No, that's also,
0: <laughs> that's also one. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't associate with unbelievers. Hmm. There now, there is something, <laughs> there is something <laughs> to be said about who you surround yourself with, for sure. And uh, the writer of Proverbs, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffer harm. Suffers harm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's something that we should be mindful of. Um, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy in Second Timothy two twenty four to twenty six, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach not resentful opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive, captive to do his will. Now he's kind of talking about some false teachers that were going around, like specifically like the ones that were going around. So, this, it's just a funny story, and, and it, I, I, I love just imagining what this looked like in my mind. So Paul would go to a town and plant a church, mm-hmm. all right? And then a group of people, they would call them Judaizers, Judaizers, would then, after Paul would leave, would then go in and then, like, teach them a kind of a skewed version of everything that Paul just did. Mm-hmm. And so he's talking about how to combat that. Right. But I think that principle we should apply more broadly to even to people that aren't quite followers of Jesus yet. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with having friendships with unbelievers. I've got friendships with unbelievers. I've been, I've got lifelong friends that, that don't believe, um, in Christ. And, but I think when, whenever you're in those relationships, you should be mindful to not let yourself be led astray. You must be, have a firm understanding of what you believe and why. And I think one of the goals of those friendships is to eventually see them, uh, come to Jesus and have the same connection and relationship with them as you do. Yeah. So, and I mean, Jesus specifically went to places where unbelievers were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, as followers of Jesus, it's part of our calling to not keep uh, the joy and the hope that we have as a result of relationship with Him to ourselves. It's yeah. to go out and share it and just transparently, like, if some of the people in my life had had decided not to interact with me because I was an unbeliever and they yes. didn't agree with every choice I was making, I would not be sitting here. So yeah. um, I think that's part of what we have to do. And to your point, like there is something to be said for if somebody is not going to be a great influence, then you don't talk to them every day, but you leave the door open to have well, that I mean, relationship with them, there's you know? a place
0: for for healthy boundaries there for sure where you can differentiate yeah. and, and depending upon the level of friendship and the relationship that you have it's a if it's a pre-existing one like you can differentiate and say listen you know what i believe like i know what you believe mm-hmm. like and just come to an understanding so that way the relationship and like you said the door can still be open mm-hmm. i mean we're called to evangelize and the we don't use that term very yeah. often, but that's what it is when you take the good news and the gospel out and we're called to go out and make disciples to all ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. That's going to require interacting and developing relationships with non-believers. Yeah.
1: And to your point, going and meeting them where they are. Yes. Jesus didn't wait in the synagogues for them to come to him. He went to them. Yes. And we have to do the same.
0: And that's kind of part of the reason for this podcast. Yep. There you go. <laughs> so um, that's, yes. Yes have relationships with unbelievers. I do. Ellis does. We all, we all should and do. Yep. Um, but just be mindful of what you believe and don't let yourself be led. For sure. That's
1: Next one is you have to be perfect before you go to church, which is, uh, the one I kind of alluded to at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I used to think this, I used to think that church is a place for perfect people to praise God for their perfection. <laughs> 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 and <laughs>
0: what the, i mean jesus gave a lesson on that yeah <laughs> like lord thank uh, thank you for not making me like this man over here <laughs> i i'm not gonna lie i thought everybody came here on sundays and they were like
1: god's perfect we're perfect this is great amen yeah and, and then i got here and uh up close you know i found out oh, okay everybody's not perfect in yeah. fact there are lots of people here who are as screwed up as I am. And so I think something we say frequently around here that kind of encapsulates this is the church is not a place full of perfect people. It's a place full of imperfect people who found a perfect God Yeah, and are here to build a relationship with Him.
0: And our senior pastor gets up I mean he says frequently mm-hmm. like there's two types of people in the world. There's broken people that know it and there's broken people that don't know mm-hmm. it. Like we're all broken. We're all flawed. And you know one of the things that Like I I mentioned earlier, like one of the things that really made this church like connect with me and me feel welcome here was how real in my small group, how real and vulnerable um, everybody was willing to get. And, you know, Pastor Brian has shared some very personal things from the platform and like it just gives everybody here permission to be like, hey, like God already knows it, like admit it and, and take it to him and, you know things will get better, though. They will probably get a little bit worse before they get better because you're we're usually carrying around, a, like, a lifetime worth of junk yeah. that we have to sort through. But with God and with Jesus, like, we have a hope on the other end of it.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I also, like, I know I've worked in places where your personal stuff, whatever it was, was irrelevant. Did not yes. matter. Like, was inconsequential to you performing your job to the best of your ability. And that's one of the big differences i came to find between working somewhere, you know, outside the church and working inside the church. Mm-hmm. Like there is room for you to say, "Hey, I'm really not okay right now." And for it to for you to be able to express that and not feel like it's going to get you fired. Just to, yes. just to be completely transparent. And that's, you know, that should be the case whether you work in a church or not. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have the right people around you in the right relationships, then you should be able to feel like you can go to somebody and say, Hey, I'm not okay. And yes. not be, you know, a thing where they reject you. So, yes.
0: Um, and the next one that we all believe the same thing, hmm. We should have unity on core beliefs. Sure. And and that's kind of how we've modeled things here at, at Passion Community Church. We, we have unity on core beliefs and diversity and liberty on uh, non-core beliefs. But we should be accepting of, you know, of, of people that have differing views. But we should be able to have core beliefs that we can all agree on. One, uh, the Holy Spirit the, and the Trinity, like God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, who they are. Uh, that the Bible is God's word, you know that it was written by human authors and under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's the source for truth uh, for all followers of Jesus. Um, for here at at PCC, like we have uh, on what eternity is, there's a life beyond the present existence to be separate, uh, separated from God is, is held to be eternally with Him is heaven, mm-hmm. and that they are real places of um, eternal existence. The priesthood of every believer. Uh, One of the ones that we have here at PCC is women in leadership. Uh, You know, followers of Jesus are used by God in diverse uh, ways based on skills, talents, and spiritual gifts, regardless of gender. We find ample biblical evidence of women in leadership in the early church. Um, And at PCC, there's no restrictions on any position a person can hold based on their gender. Mm -hmm. I know that that's, some churches don't, Put that as one of their core beliefs, but we we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's to say, like, and you're going to find churches that disagree with us on this. You're going to find churches that agree with us on some of our our core beliefs. But we believe that if we can unite here in our church on specific things, then we are. That there's free reign for everything else, and we kind of have talked to about some of those, especially with the creation yeah. thing. Yeah. So. For sure. That's kind of where where I come at it from.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. You know, we – there are things where we can kind of bring our own interpretation to the table. Yes. But we have to be able to agree on the big things, (laughs) the big pieces, the core things, uh, to put it the way you phrased it. So
0: So that's kind of where – it's kind of where we're
1: at. Yeah. So the next one is there's a correct way to pray. I think this one's interesting because throughout the Bible we do find uh, kind of models for prayer that people Mm – still use as kind of a template mm-hmm. to this day. Um, so you got the Lord's Prayer um, that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. Jonah's Prayer, which we talked about in a previous episode, which, you know, has There's some differing online, opinions. <laughs> on some
0: online kerfuffles about— Yeah. I love that word. <laughs> um, uh, different interpretations of that. Yeah. And then uh, you have
1: Psalms in general, just kind of the entire book, but specifically Psalm 51 as a prayer yes. of repentance, which we've talked about before. Um, so I, I think, yes, and. Yes. <laughs> like those, if you have never prayed and you're wondering where do I start, those three and more are great places to start. But I think where the misconception comes in is you have to do it that way every yes. time, and everyone has to do it that way every time. I think that kind of constricts what prayer is which is for me a conversation with god i mm-hmm. uh, uh, every conversation with god i read somewhere it said every conversation with god is a prayer and every prayer is a conversation with god yeah and that's how i like to kind of wrap my brain around it
0: no i mean there's times where where i feel depending upon what what i've got going on in me and it got going on in my life there's there's times where i i mean i've laid down on the floor and prayed mm-hmm. like i'm i mean that sometimes that's appropriate for what i'm going to god for sometimes i just have an ongoing dialogue throughout the day yeah. with god where i'd turn off the radio in the car and i it's just me speaking out loud i find that to be very uh those times to be a uh, very raw and intimate um and intimate and so but i don't think like you i don't think that there's a this is how you have to pray. You have to get up every day at 5:30 and, and get down on your knees and pray. Like I pray when I first like recognize consciousness, whenever I wake up, mm-hmm. I usually pray before I even get out of bed. Right. I start having a conversation with God about what's going on for the day and just start submitting things to him yeah. and just leaving things at his feet. Um, but there's also times where I've adopted uh, pieces of the Psalms and then just personalized them for whatever my situation is. But I think as long as you're talking to God and recognizing who he is, um, and then if you can say at the end, but not my will, yours, and not think of it as just a transactional thing, well, I've acknowledged you. I've prayed. Now, give me. Here's my list. Yes. It's not a wish list. (laughs) I mean, you have to be able, you have to be able at the end of it, I think. To be able to say but not my will yours like i don't say that all the time mm. but i mean it really depends on what i'm praying for like if i'm praying for something or for an outcome then you should probably say but not my will yours
1: yeah you can pray with your eyes open and yeah. if you're going to do it while driving i recommend
0: it it could get a little <laughs> it could get a little uh a little hairy yeah. if you don't um oh yeah you're up Go so <clears throat> anti-science some are. I mean if I, if we're just being real and honest, it does seem to be that there have been times, I mean, I think whenever people were being accused of heresy for for saying that the earth revolved around the sun. I mean, I think I think that there have been examples and things that people can point to and say and I mean, you can I mean, yeah, they were. Sometimes they get it wrong, but I don't think it's fair to paint all Christians is anti-science um, a lot of times this comes up with the creation thing like if you don't agree like if you subscribe to the six literal day thing uh, account of creation and then if you say yes I believe in that well you're anti-science Right. I don't know if that I don't think that's necessarily fair Yeah. and I also think you know there are, there are for some people where it appears that science for them is their very own religion mm-hmm. so then it just is you know A bunch of theocrats just arguing amongst themselves. Right.
1: Well, and uh, like we talked about in our creation episode, there's people who believe that essentially the two work in tandem. Yes. So,
0: yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of where I land on it. Are there things that people can point to? Yes. And I think to deny it is just... You're just denying reality. Like, there have been episodes in the past. And this could also... This could probably be fleshed out into its very own episode that I think would be cool.
1: I think we have a few of these (laughs) (laughs) we could do that with. So,
0: um,
1: the next one is that being a Christian is all suffering and no happiness. And I think this one comes out of what we learn about what it's like to be a follower of Jesus in the Bible. Like, this one is not unfounded Mm -hmm. (laughs) completely. Um, I mean... We talk about, like I talked about it earlier, putting off the old self and putting on the new, uh, sacrificing your preferences, Mm -hmm. your wants, your, maybe even your identity Mm -hmm. and replacing it with who God has called you to be, who God made you to be and doing what he wants you to do. Not our will, but his be done. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, it's not completely unfounded, but I think. What, what how I try to look at it is yes, following Jesus requires sacrifice, mm-hmm. but you find the ultimate fulfillment in it. You, yes. When you are doing what God has laid on your life and you're following the path he has for you, you'll experience fulfillment that you can never achieve just doing your own thing and following your own path and following the plan you've made for yourself. Yes.
0: So, And I think there's, I mean and we can all point to someone who is a professed follower of Jesus, that was miserable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that was a very uh, mean, old, curmudgeon person. <laughs> like I know that I can, like from whenever I was little, like I can think of probably three, like right off the top. And so you look at them, and, and it's, it's not unreasonable to say, well, if that's what following Jesus looks like, then why would I ever in a million years want to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, it's somebody that just, and I don't know why some people end up like that and why some don't, uh, but I do know that that's not the case. It, it hasn't been my personal experience. Like even whenever things have been hard, there's still been there's still been ways that I could find contentment and even joy, even in the lowest of places. So um, it doesn't mean that, there's a lack of happiness as a follower of Jesus. Right. Yeah, I agree. Now, this one, this one, one. this one's kind of a bitter pill for a lot of people. And it was, it was for me, if I'm just being honest. Mm. God, God views all sin the same. Like all sin has the exact same. Things. Romans 3 23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God boom we're all sin. we are all sinners every single one of us I've sinned I'm still going to sin from time to time you are too Sarah behind the camera is like we all are we we're all we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God and Romans six twenty three the rate the wages of sin is death like it's that's all sin all sin will separate you equally from God, and can potentially separate you from God for all eternity. Now, luckily, like Christ came and made the ultimate sacrifice, so that way we can have eternal life, and we have God's grace that will cover um, sin. Uh, but that said, not all earthly consequences of sin are the same. Mm-hmm. Like adultery or lots of sexual sin, like has has results that that are more. I mean, it's usually, there's usually a lot of compounded Mm -hmm. um, things, but I mean, now this is just a misconception that, that some sins are worse than others, Mm -hmm. but I mean, all of it, like there's usually lying and and all sorts of things. They all compound up. But like, if you tell a little white lie to someone at the Burger King in the checkout line, you know, it might not, it's not going to have the same ramifications as like stepping out on your spouse or killing somebody or doing something equally awful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, we as a culture, we tend to weight them. Yes. Uh, but, and I think, you know, we tend to weight them, but on our scale. Yes. Not on God's scale.
0: Uh, and. Well, no, we look at our sin or what we've yeah. done and then look down on someone else's. Like, exactly. well, they yeah. did X, but I only did Y, so mm-hmm. they're a lot worse. Right. And what was your Jeopardy metaphor like that you had for one of these? Oh, I said something like it was like two four hundred uh four hundred dollar sins <laughs> or something oh, no. like that. <laughs> I don't even I don't even remember this, <laughs> I'm gonna have to dig it up. No. He made an awesome point that he doesn't remember. And, <laughs> no, I've, I don't been, remember and I've been waiting to bring it out. Like I've been waiting for a time to circle back on that and it just came to me. But no, it was awesome. <laughs> well thanks. This I'm I don't remember. I'm gonna have to go but it was Go like no, like you, like you create like you hit a eight hundred dollar sin, but uh-huh. I did three two hundred dollar sins. Mm-hmm. So whose is worse?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was something along those lines. Mm. It was brilliant. Wow, who said that? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wasted. It's wasted. <laughs> but that's kind of. But yes. But but to God, like all sins will separate you from Him, and that sin in, in thought or in deed, mm-hmm. you know. And so but we can look at things and as here on earth and just be like you know well yes there are there are sins that do have much bigger ramifications here and it would be silly just to say well i mean it just a sins a sin like no your sin hurt me by doing xyz and then we're going all the way back through the alphabet mm-hmm. so i mean it, it but it is a tough one whenever you look at it and say the wages of sin is death but and all of those things being equal that was it. That's the list. And we've got we got some that we're going to save for a future one. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe we'll do some reels. I don't know. But I, we'll do something with them. Because I think we got like four more that was on here that we didn't get a chance to get to today. Yeah. But that was a lot. That was like a just a shotgun blast of a whole bunch of things. We covered a lot of ground. We did. <laughs> but we want to hear if you've got any other common misconceptions. Yeah. We definitely want to hear them. And, and know what they are so that way we can address them in in later episodes but I thought all in all this was a good talk and for me like my kind of takeaway on something like this is that you we all need a place where we can ask questions and and just address common misconceptions that we have so that way we can all come to a, a better understanding of who god is and ultimately like the stuff that we where we came up with those things in the first place mm-hmm. um because it's only then that we can be really emotionally and spiritually healthy at the same time and yeah. so we hope that this is a place for everybody to come and do just that
1: yeah i i agree completely i think you know what we tried to accomplish with when we came up with the idea for this episode was what are the things people might think but they don't want to talk about yes and let's talk about it and and just show that it's okay like to your point to get together with some trusted people and talk about this um we don't have to go through life like not ever addressing this and kind of figuring out where we all land. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. all right. Well, leave us a review and we will get you an after chat mug. Mm-hmm. We've also got the this is the white version this of the, nice, the of the after chat shirt. It's comfy too. You it is, get you one of these. So check it out. It's on the it's on the store and we'll put a link to that all in the show notes and we will see you back next week for the after chat. Thanks for joining us for The After Chat. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To be the first to hear our next episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and get notifications for new content. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at Wired and Facebook at Passion Community Church. For additional resources and links, check out the description. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on The After Chat.